So this one time I was being driven to the airport um, on an Uber and I get there. I'm in such a hurry. Uh, the guy, the driver is so good, helps me out with my bags, uh, walks me to the like to the nearest trolley and um, helps me put it back on. And I'm so grateful. Um, he turns to me and he's like, yo, my guy, have a safe flight, have a good flight. And I turn to him and I'm just like, you too. And in that moment, I realized that I am a sinner in need of saving and that even Jesus would struggle with that one. Uh, And to this day, to this day, it haunts me because I wonder, did he turn away from Christianity after that one incident? Because I would. I really would. Welcome to another episode of Project Killing Sin. We are in season two, and today, today is um, today is a bit different. <laughs> um, so we're in episode four, uh, and I know this is too early for us to be bringing in differences and all that. But hey, this is this is this is this is how I do my things. Um, <clears throat> so. What I'm doing today, it's not the first time that I've done this, but it is the first time that I am announcing I am doing this. Um, I have no notes, no notes whatsoever, and this was very intentional. I wanted to do episode four, the second part of this four-part conversation on my hope for you, or simply titled, I Hope. And the reason I wanted to have no notes was because today's conversation is a very personal one um, and something that I just want to speak from the bottom of my heart uh, with no prep, no prep whatsoever, except the verse that I am reading and the verse that I I picked to kind of go through this topic. And my expectation is that when we get to the end of this conversation, I don't know what I'm going to be sharing. <laughs> I don't know how things are going to come. Um, but I do know that there is a structure in my head and I wanted there to be no notes because I just need to really speak from my heart, the heart of God, uh, what he has done in my life and to give this hope conversation, this I hope series, a bit of humanity in the confusion, in the conflict, in the uncertainty. Um, and yeah, just give you perspective on what it looks like to kind of wrestle with some of these issues. Um, so if it's, if it's your first time joining us, thank you. Welcome. Um, if you've been with us for a while, welcome back. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I would say pause this um, and go get better context from last week's episode where we began this four-part conversation, again, simply titled, I Hope. And actually, I'd say go even further and just start from the beginning of the season. Uh, well, if you really want to get up to date, I'd say start from season one, episode one, and just 
grow and see how we've grown from there and see the kinds of conversations we've had. Uh, but for the purpose of today's conversation, if you have not listened to last week's conversation, I'd say pause this, like stop this, go back and listen to that because it gives very, very good context of where we're at uh, and where we're going with this whole four-part series of conversations. Um, so last week we talked about this whole idea, or rather last time, there might be a break between these episodes, I don't know yet, but um, last time we spoke about, about this whole this whole thing, I hope you remain. And we went through how remaining is, it's quite difficult to do. <laughs> and it wasn't just remaining in the good times, it was remaining despite the bad that comes our way. And it was um, a number of issues that we highlighted, and there's a lot more issues that that we could have talked about, but I wanted to talk about those specific ones because as young adults, we go through the most. And yeah, if again, if you haven't listened, go back, um, listen in and get a full context of what I mean. But today, what I want to talk about is I hope that you grow. I hope that you grow. See, when you remain, you grow. And when you grow, We'll see that in the next episode, what happens after you grow. But for today, when you remain, you grow. Growth for me has looked very different to what I thought it would be because of the view that I had of God and who I thought he was. I had a very simplistic view of God looking back, but at the time it seemed very holistic. It seemed like this is the extent of who God is. And it was very difficult for me to adjust to the very real reality of the multifaceted God that we serve. So growth for me has always been a point of contention because I have always had this tendency of thinking that I know best, thinking that I can handle the things that come my way because I have a knowledge that is beyond other people's knowledge. And even though this might be true to some extent, this does not apply when it comes to the ways of God. No matter how much knowledge I have, I will never even begin to scratch the surface of the knowledge of who God is, of, of, of the knowledge that God has and of the knowledge of how God works in the full expanse of the universe. I will never be able to grasp that. And if I ever do, then that would mean I am God. And I can tell you for a fact, I would make a very terrible God. <laughs> So growth for me has been uncomfortable. Growth has been unreasonable in some, in some instances. There are some instances where I have been forced to grow or been guided into growth and it has seemed very unreasonable at the time because either one, I thought this was not for me. That growth was not for me. I was supposed to be growing in a different direction. Um, and another part of me thought that that growth was very unfair because it was too radical, it was too drastic, and I don't know why God thought I could handle that. And both of these types of thought processes were the very reason why God saw it fit that I must grow. Because the places he was taking me, he knew, and I did not know. 
the the battles that he was giving me he knew and i did not i did not know i did not know their outcome i did not know their purpose and even now in hindsight i don't fully understand but i am walking in full confidence that god knows what he is doing when i was beginning this journey into ministry i never knew i not just never knew i never thought that the, that the direction i took would be a podcast <laughs> I never listened to podcasts. Today, I still don't listen to podcasts. I don't even listen to this one. <laughs> oh my God, I hope I didn't implicate myself there. But um, I just, I don't listen to podcasts. I it's, it's not my thing, but yet here I am making one and seeing God move in it. I never thought that I would be gravitating into ministry as, as intensely as I have. If you asked me in my teenage years, um, did I ever see myself going into ministry in the way that I am today or in the vision that that today I have of going even deeper into ministry, I would have probably laughed and I would have walked away. Not, not saying that I wouldn't have agreed that, yes, I'll be a Christian, I would be seeking God, but I would have thought, or rather my view of what that looks like was going to church on Sunday having Bible study on Wednesday and being a good person in between. But God's idea for me, God's vision for my life involved a growth that would lead me into this direction. And the thing about the growth that comes from God, it is something that has been planned for outside of time. And everything that we do, the moment we say yes to him, he doesn't start working from there. He has been working. And that is a very complicated conversation about predestination and free will that perhaps we will get into. I can't make any promises about that in this particular podcast. But in some other avenues, we'll probably get into that. Um, but he knew and he was aware and he said that when you say yes, this work that I had began even before you were born will begin to come into fruition and you will begin a process of growth, growth that to you does not make sense, growth that to others does not make sense. But to me, it makes sense. It is necessary and it is good. So growth. And the reason why I wanted this to be the second part of this I hope conversation is because Growth is so important. As we all know, growth is so important, be it in career, be it in relationships, be it in even physically, growth is a sign of maturity. And to come to Christ and remain in him, what you will see is maturity and it will be subtle in some cases, and will be very immediate and grand in other cases. The way that works is not for us to kind of figure out, but it's for us to rest in who God is and allow him to move in the ways that he wants to move. So growth, man, growth. If you have expectations for growth while you're in Christ, I'd say drop them, <laughs> drop them, because he comes in a way that first of all, exceeds our expectation. And that always sounds good. But if you think about the way he exceeds, he exceeds it in a curveball way. And if you have an expectation of how God will come through, sometimes it will match, his expectations will match our expectations. But knowing God, especially when it comes into when it comes to the issues or it comes to the radical change that require 
a complete shakeup of our lives for him to restructure everything that we are. That kind of change, that kind of Christian walk with him, man, it, it, it is never, it's almost never what we think and it's almost never what we expect. So I'd say this right now going into this conversation. As I talk about growth, whatever view you have of what growth looks like, I'd say drop it. Because when God comes in for growth, it, it breaks us, it breaks us, it breaks our minds. It certainly broke mine. Like I said, I never knew, I never thought that I would go into podcasting. And the reason for that is because I never thought I would ever do public speaking. And the reason for that is because as a child, I had a very difficult time speaking. I had a heavy stutter. And I never talked. Uh, and whenever I did, I couldn't get the words out. And the only way that I could end up getting my words out was if I forced them out. And that made me a very valiant child because when I had something to say, I needed to really bang, like quite literally bang on the ground or bang on the wall or bang on anything that was around me so that the words could get out with that burst of air coming out of my lungs. And for the longest time, I just became such a violent child. And thank God my parents were able to take me to speech therapy. And I learned how to speak, or rather I learned how to talk, but I never really learned how to communicate. And this was as a result of the damage that had already happened to me at that time. Because with the heavy stutter, um, you know, kids being kids, there was a lot of bullying, a lot of teasing and that really affected my self-esteem and I didn't see it at the time but I became quite reserved and growing up speaking for me was always such a difficult thing being asked asked to read in in class was very difficult because the moment I begin to stutter the chuckles begin the moment that I just straight up just start to really shake when I'm standing before people because the fear of standing or speaking in public was just so overwhelming that it made my whole body just shiver and quiver. And then the chuckles and then the laughs, it, it just, it made me very reserved as a child. So you can imagine God coming to me and saying, yo, listen, your growth, the growth I'm going to give you is going to be in the direction of public speaking. It's going to be in ministry as a teacher, as a preacher in one way, shape or form. You can imagine my, my shock <laughs> because I knew God was going to use me. That was always a prayer that God used me powerfully in this generation, but I always thought it would be on a non-speaking level. It would be in admin. It would be probably um, in, in a job at, at, at work, in a certain task, in, in a certain thing that I was supposed to do. And I had many ideas of what these things could have been. But God's idea of my growth was in this particular direction. And it was very strange because I fought with God. I fought with him because I thought I knew better. And my thinking was validated by my past, my patterns. It was validated by what I had seen, the evidence of where I was at that time, at present. And to see God come in and say, where I'm going to take you, the growth that I'm going to give you is going to require you to graduate from this level of thinking 
to get to this new level of thinking. And when you're on this level of thinking, then you can begin to see things the way I see things. And even then, you're not going to see them clearly, but you will begin to have a faith and a foundation that will allow you to trust in me. And that was how I just began this very difficult process of growth. And to this day, there have still been doubts. There have still been fights because the growth, it comes and the moment it lands, it now forces you and it reminds you and it urges you to graduate from your previous level of thinking. The next thing that happened after this whole incident where God comes and says, I want you, I am going to be pushing you into ministry. When the speech thing didn't fail, uh, didn't work, when it fell flat on its face because that was an excuse, the next excuse that I had was, God, I'm damaged sexually. I have lusted. I have opened doors that I cannot close. I have been so engaged in so many sexual activities. By this time, I was in my, in my very, very early twenties, probably 2021. 20, and I was telling God, listen, I, I have begun to indulge in these things. And, uh, sorry, by the time I was, this was in probably 23, 24. Yeah. Um, and I was telling God, I have already indulged in so much sin sexually. I don't think you can use me. By this time, I was, I was, I was on the back end of this phase in my life where I was straight up homosexual. And I was just telling God because I was so full of conviction. I, w- I had been convicted by the Holy Spirit and I had been condemned by the world. And I was, I couldn't relate these two things. So it just felt like all, like just full on condemnation. And I hear God saying, I want to use you in ministry and I'm going to grow you in that direction. I turn to God and I say, no, 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 I'm too damaged. I am too damaged. There is no way that you can use me. There is no way that you can redeem me. And I think what you had for me, the growth you had for me, no, no, I think we're going to have to take a different direction. You were wrong on this. Or rather, I think I, I messed it up too much for there to be any kind of reconciliation, any kind of repentance that can lead me back on track to the things you had for me. So what was your plan B? And it was very weird because I I wasn't just saying this, but I was fighting with God because he was coming and speaking. It wasn't a kind of, it it wasn't God asking and saying, oh, do you want to do this? It was no, this is what I have created you to do. This is the direction that I deem your life should go in because it is good. And when you say no, you are taking your mistake, you are taking the sin, you're taking the doors that you have opened and you are equating them because they are trapped within time, space and matter. You are equating them to a thought that I had about you outside of time, outside of space, outside of matter. So before you were formed, before you were even, before your very first step, before your very first word, before your very first stutter, before the first time you unlocked your phone and went to that site, before then I had already decided that this is the growth that I have for you. And I knew that you will do all these things. So when I say that I have this for you, I need you to trust me. Friends, there's something that you need to understand. In the pursuit of this hope, and the hope 
for remaining and this hope for growth, you must understand that your sin, the sin that you have committed, sorry, because it's not your sin, the sin that you have committed, the mistakes that you may have made, the mistake that, that you have made as early as today, wherever you are listening to this, as early as in the past 30 minutes, the past 30 seconds, the mistake that you have made does not come anywhere close to changing the plans that God has for your life. Now, also hear me, there are consequences. There are consequences. There are, there are repercussions. And God, in His knowledge, again, could choose to allow these to come to you or He could save you completely. But that does not take away. And I said it last week from the fact that you are a child of God. Remember, the devil is trying to accuse you on a case that has already been solved. You are not any less a child of God because you have fallen short. The moment you have said yes to him and accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior, the moment you have done that, you are righteous in him and any mistakes you make, they do not proceed, they do not change, they do not in any way, shape or form change the heart of the Father for you. Anyway, that is a kind of side topic and we can flesh it out because there's a lot of questions in that, a lot, a, a lot of questions that need to be answered in that. And for that, I'm actually going to have to do, going to have to have a lot of notes <laughs> for that. So yes, we can definitely have that Q&A later on. But growth, growth, the growth that God has for you, the growth that he, he intends for you to walk fully fully in the purpose that he has for you. It comes from remaining, as we talked about last week, but it also comes from graduating from old thought patterns, old ideas that we hold on to and moving on to new ones that may be uncomfortable, but that are a level up. And that brings me to the verse that I want to talk about, kind of run through today, and it's a verse that I love. I love because it keeps me on my toes. It always gets me to question myself and to hold myself accountable and my friends accountable and everyone around me. It, it is an accountability meter. And this verse is Hebrews 6, 1 all the way through to 6. But I'm going to focus on 1 to 3 and then later on I'll talk about 4, 5, and 6. So Hebrews one, uh, Hebrews 6, 1 to 3, it says, and this I am reading it in the... NIV version. I like this version. Uh, it says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that led to death and of, um, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. So you see, it starts with, let us move beyond. And that's what God says when he comes into your life with, ready to take you to the next level. He's saying, listen, where you are is good, but you've been here too long. So let us move beyond these good teachings, this very correct teachings, 
but now they're becoming limiting to the growth and the place that I want you to be. So let us move beyond this. And it's interesting, it says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. The elementary teachings about Christ. There is nothing wrong <laughs> with talking about Christ and knowing about Christ, but this becomes detrimental when we get stuck in this phase where we are just trying every single day to kind of dissect a certain verse or a certain lifestyle of Jesus and it is not in any way, shape or form influencing how we live our lives for Christ. The writer of Hebrews, he's saying, listen, the knowledge that you know of, of Christ, it is good. It is good, but now you have to take it to the next level. What does that knowledge of Christ convict you to do? What does it lead you to do? What does it encourage you to do? The knowledge of Christ is not to know Christ as a man, but it is to know Christ as God who came and shed off his, his, his power, shed off the, his, his divinity to enter time and space and to take on the suit, to take on the mantle of being a man and being a perfect sacrifice. That is the nature of Christ. And to be stuck in anything below that for a long time is to stunt, is to stunt your growth. And stunted growth leads to staleness. And staleness begins to cause a decay, and decay causes rot, and rot causes death. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Let us be taken forward in maturity. There is so much more after the elementary teachings of Christ. When you begin to read the Bible, when you begin to read the gospel, and I hope you understand now that this is not me saying when you read something about Christ, never go back to it. No, no, no. It is to say that when you read something about Christ, when you read the Bible, it is our responsibility not to rest in, in the outer meaning of the words themselves, but to actually begin to seek God to give us revelation of the word, to give us discernment, to understand, to give us wisdom, to really get into the nitty gritty of what Jesus is saying in his ministry and not just how he looks or, or the, or, or the, cause this is very weird. I've heard people get stuck on the appearance of Jesus and they get stuck on it so much that they form entire, almost an entire religion or entire movement just because Jesus was not white, just because Jesus is black, just because Jesus is Middle Eastern. And these people get lost in this detail so much that this becomes their entire ministry and they never go to the point where they actually talk about the things that Jesus did. They begin to burn for in, they begin to burn for the, for the lost. They begin to actually live sacrificially like Jesus did. They actually to, they, they begin to take on the weight of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. People get lost in the details of the superficial when it comes to Christ and turn that into their whole lives. And by the end of it, they get hit with those soul crushing words where Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Growth is moving away from the elementary teachings about Christ and moving into maturity. The second part that I 
picked up on is this idea of, um, in, in my version again, it says, um, therefore move forward from the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. The foundation of repentance. It makes no sense for a building whose foundation has already been laid and is ready to begin being built on to have the con- to have the contractors to have those in construction come in and say we're going to lay another foundation if the foundation is strong if the foundation is 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 firm there is no need to keep on revisiting because that platform that the 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 foundation that the building is supposed to be on is ready to take on a new weight if you are building a house and the contractor comes and says exactly what I said before, where, sir, madam, we have, we have a very firm foundation. I'm very pleased with everything. It is up to code. It is strong. It is perfect. We're going to add another foundation or we're going to just let it be because that's enough. And we're just always going to walk on this foundation. We're not going to build the house. We're just going to talk about this foundation. We're going to always marvel at this foundation. And we're never going to build anything over it. Um, it's just going to remain as it is. What do you think you'd say to this contractor? You'd probably fire them. You'd probably think they're insane. You'd probably, you'd probably even call someone else because you would doubt If I were me and someone came and told me that, I would even doubt the foundation that they've been building because it's like, what do you mean we're going to do everything on the foundation except build on it? Are you sure that is a firm foundation or is there something you're hiding? And if it is, then it makes no sense in this construction as you build this house to just leave it at the foundation and be comfortable with that and do nothing else because we can trust that the foundation will hold us. See, in this verse, when it speaks about, like, let us move away from, like, let us not lay again the foundation of repentance. It's not, again, it's not to disregard repentance. It's not to disregard the very firm, very necessary foundation of what repentance should look like and what it does to us and what it does for us. But it is to say that, okay, you have a very firm foundation. It is firm, it is strong, it is ready now, build on it. Build that house. Build that structure. If we forever get lost in just marveling at the foundation, when the elements come, we get blown away. The foundation stands. But because there is no house, because there is no shelter, because there is no covering, when the elements begin to beat down on us, the foundation that holds us continues to still remain strong, but we struggle. We get wet when the rain comes in. We get beaten by the hurricanes. We get beaten by the tornadoes of life. We get beaten by the sun, the scorching sun. And lying on that foundation, we could even find ourselves depleted, near death, and sometimes even dead on that same foundation. Because we were meant to do so much more on top of that foundation because the foundation can take the weight. 
The foundation of a house, the foundation of a building is not meant to just be within itself. It is meant to be part of a larger structure. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, yes, the foundation is good, but we need to move forward. We need to grow. The foundation, I would argue, and I would, I'd say quite truthfully, is built on this. It's built on our remaining. How you remain despite all the odds, creates this very firm foundation. And when you get to the place where the foundation is complete and firm in Christ, then we grow to the next level. The writer goes on to say, this idea of faith in God, we must we must move away from the rudimentary, the elementary teachings of faith in God. And this one is quite interesting. Again, all the things that the writer of Hebrews is mentioning They're not bad things, not at all, not in any way, shape, or form. I need you to understand that. But he is saying that there is so much more. And this particular one is, oh, it's it's crazy. Because are you telling me that I cannot just rest in the faith, in my faith in God? Is that not enough? Like there's a, there's a newer level. There's, there's levels to that. I thought faith in God is the one, is an unchanging thing. It's very weird until I really began to think about it. And I realized that obviously the writer is right. (laughs) The fact that it's there means that there is a level of faith in God that we need to constantly be growing out of. And there is new levels of faith that we need to be growing into. And these levels of faith are evident throughout the Bible. And we see them, the new levels come when the individuals who are being tested, who have gone through trials, who have gone through changes in their lives, they embrace the growth and they have a new sense, a new pattern of thinking. When you look at Abraham, the father of faith, we see how his faith grows year after year after he is given a promise, after you're told that, you know, I will deliver you. Like when, when, when God first comes and says that I will take you to, uh, to a new land, a promised land, you trace the trajectory of his faith and you begin to see that there was a growth in the faith he had in God. From the first instance of pack up your bags, and follow me, I'm going to take you somewhere. All through to the instance where he says, where God says, I will give you a son. He will come to you despite your old age. You read that and you begin to see the trajectory of the steps, of the leaps that Abraham had to take, or or rather God allowed him to take through the strength that he had given him to remain in him and then to grow in faith. Had he remained at one level of faith, it would have been impossible for God to begin to speak to him, to begin to tell him about the things that he would do, to begin to, 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 uh, to kind of share the vision that he has for him. If you think about it, even after, even after he had faith in God that God would take him places, he still fought battles. And even after he had faith in God that God will give him a son. He still went out and made a mistake. He raped his servant. And even after that, when he finally got into the place where he has grown in the faith that he has in God, that he knows that whatever battles he will face, he will win, and that he knows that 
whatever promises God has given, he will come and fulfill in the son that he will have. He still gets challenged by this new level of faith in God where he tells him, okay, now I need you to go sacrifice your son. And by this time, we can begin to see, or rather, we see very clearly the faith. We see very clearly the levels that he has gone to that now he is not making any any rash decisions. He's not trying to play God. In fact, he says, yo, listen, my son, we need to go up to the mountains. I need to make a sacrifice. And when he is asked, where is the sacrifice we're going to make? He so confidently says, God will provide. Because he knew, he understood. And this is what we should understand, that when we are called to remain in growth, it is to disregard old thinking patterns and to embrace the journey of faith that we have in God from one step to the next. And looking back one day, you will see the growth and you will see the blessings, you will see the benefits, you will see, you will see that lives changed through it. Our faith in God must grow. The next one was rather weird for me reading because it talks about this whole idea of um, instructions of cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. That was one part. And as I think about this whole idea of um, the instruction about cleansing rites and and you know the laying on of hands and the resurrection the resurrection of the dead this could be tied to you know the old practices but when i think about my life today and thinking about how can i grow how can i grow from the, from these things it takes me back to the whole idea of when you come to christ <laughs> the first thing that almost every christian has about sin the first thought that i have about getting into heaven is i need to sin less I need to stop doing ABC. And this really, really does apply to this because it, it is the equivalent of the cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. It is the basic knowledge of what God does in our lives or who he is in our lives. And this basic knowledge is right to some degree, but if we do not have a fuller context and if we do not have a growth in these concepts, they can be very detrimental to us and they can in fact become our undoing. Relating it to where I am today, I'm thinking about the this whole idea where God has come into my life and now he is leading me into a place where I need to move beyond the instructions of the cleansing rites, the laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead. What does this look like to me? The instruction of the cleansing rites is, to me, what it, what it looks like is the idea of simply being pure. What I used to think purity looks like and how I need to attain it versus what the Bible actually says. And I cannot get to that place if I do not grow in my knowledge of God. Because when I come to Christ, or rather when I came to Christ, and a lot of people that I know who have come to Christ, they have the view that the whole world has, which is if you do less of this, it will affect you less. And God is so gracious 
He's so gracious. He knows that this is the patterns that we have. He knows that this is, this is what surrounds us. He knows that this is the teaching, that these are the teachings that we have. He's so gracious and he just tells us, lean into me and I will show you new growth. Because true growth is not coming to God and focusing on sinning less. No, it is coming to God and focusing on who he is and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is. And for as long as we continue to fix our gaze on what perfection looks like, we fix our gaze on the Father who loves us, we fix our gaze on the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, we fix our gaze on the sacrifice that is on the cross, we find ourselves sinning less, not because we are fighting sin in itself, but because we are focusing on the Father. And you cannot get to this level if you do not embrace growth. So I hope you grow. I hope you grow. And not just that, but this final part where it talks about eternal judgment. We need to move past the teachings of eternal judgment and into into the next level of what that looks like in growth in God. I remember watching, I can't remember, was it Armageddon? Um, I, I can't remember the name of the movie, but um, I don't think it was Armageddon. Uh, but it was something about the end times. Definitely not not Armageddon, now, now that I think about it. Uh, there was no Bruce Willis in that. <laughs> I, I would remember. But I remember watching so many movies growing up about the end times. And I was always scared. I was always, I had this picture of what judgment looked like. And however accurate that was, for me at the time, that was the view of Christianity. It's like, let me focus on sinning less. Let me focus on the elementary teachings of Christ. Let me focus on the foundation of repentance. Let me focus on my, on my basic level of faith in God. And when I do that, I will escape eternal judgment. I'll get into heaven when I do all these things. And had I remained in that phase and continued to grow, continued to go through life, continued to, to live the way I was living, I would have had a very, very difficult time in this age as I grow older because it would have become an issue of white-knuckling faith. White-knuckled Christianity is what it's called where I am holding on so tight to legalistic ways, to shallow patterns, to things that keep me less accountable but allow me to enjoy the life that I live just so I can tell myself that I kind of love God and I know God loves me is bad. <laughs> and if you need a name for that, it is, uh, what was it? I think it was called... Uh, therapeutic moralistic deity. Deism. Deism. Therapeutic moralistic deism where I tell myself these things that I want to hear based on what I want. I form a God. I form a, a, a kind of spirituality around it. And that spirituality forms a God that conforms to what I feel. And I worship that God. And most times that God that I worship is always, most times self. It's never anything less than that. And if it is, it is something more dangerous. It is an entity that is more dangerous. And that is what happens when we get lost 
in the lack of growth and the stagnation because all of a sudden we are yearning for more. We have opened a door where we want to taste and see who God is and something else comes in because we have not taken it upon ourselves to actually seek God, to ask him to continue to move in our lives. It causes a staleness and this idea of eternal judgment becomes a scary thing that forces Christians to be good. Because we don't want to go to hell and we want to go to heaven. So it becomes about, again, legalistic Christian, uh, legalistic Christianity. And not just that, but it becomes transactional Christianity where it's like, I did this, so I must do this. And if I didn't do this, then, oh my gosh, God must be so angry. Let me rush and do it. Not because my heart is in it, but because if I don't do it, it makes me a very bad Christian and I'm not going to get into heaven. Eternal judgment is bad. It doesn't cause growth if we do not have the right context of what this looks like. When we will not get the right context of what this looks like if we do not allow for growth in our lives. So I hope that you grow. I hope you grow. And not just that, but I hope that the growth that you pursue is something that scares you because that's when you know that this is God. If the growth that you are pursuing right now does not phase you, does not cause you to, to think, oh man, I don't have the capacity for this, then I, I don't think that's growth. I just think that is a shift in the current growth that you're in to kind of absorb you of responsibility or accountability and to give you this idea, a false sense of growth. Because true growth in Christ, and you can look at every single character in the Bible, true growth in God through the Holy Spirit and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, true growth is uncomfortable, it is scary, and it brings us to our knees to rely on God because we have no hope no hope for growth if we're not found in God. And he knows this. So he gives us glimpses of the impossible and tells us, okay, now I need you to lean in. I wasn't giving you that to tease you or to, or to discourage you, but I was giving you that to show you that I have a vision for you and I need you to trust me. So will you lean in and will you allow me to grow you? Will you allow me to teach you these new things? Will you allow me to, to walk with you that you may graduate into this new level of growth? Because this new level of growth is going to prepare you for what we're going to talk about next week. And you shouldn't miss that. You should not miss that. I'm sorry I keep teasing that, but it's important. (laughs) I need to keep you hooked somehow. And the reason why this, I, I, I wanted to have this whole conversation without any notes and without, you know, all these things is because of this second part, which is, you know, uh, Hebrews 6, 4 to, 4 to 6. And I'm just going to read it. It says, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Apathy. Apathy and for lack of a better word, negative familiarization. 
Now, this is this 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 verse is <laughs> is a bit complicated and it's a bit controversial because um, it brings in again a conversation we can have another time. Uh, the question of um, salvation, like are we once saved, always saved, or can we lose our salvation? Personally, I believe once saved, you're always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. Um, again, conversation for another time. <laughs> it's a very, very wide topic, and I love that kind of conversation. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember having it with this very close friend of mine, Nick. Yo, Nick. Yeah, I miss you, bro. Um, I remember having this conversation with him, and it was just so beautiful. A beautiful conversation that should be had um, after salvation. These are the conversations that we have on the other side of salvation, and they're quite good conversations. But I want to focus on the apathy. I want to focus on this on this phrase where it says, to taste and see. It is very possible for you to partake and to be around the things of God. And when you refuse to allow them to sit and to take root in your heart, just like the parable of the sower, when you come and be around God, when you come and be around the things of God, the institutions of God, you know, a good marriage, a good church organization, a good fellowship, um, when you participate in ministry, go for missions, and you see the impact of these things, when you're around the things of God in terms of miracles, in terms of, 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 of uh, you know, seeing breakthrough in people's lives and seeing them attribute this to God, when you're around testimonies where people are unapologetically claiming God and you refuse for one reason or the other, to allow this to take root in yourself, the Bible says it is impossible to be brought back to repentance. And this has always scared me because this is what apathy is, and this is what this is what this over familiarization or false kind of familiarity brings. This idea of man, I know it, um, I don't need it uh, because you know. Eh, it's there, I can take it whenever I need it and I can apply it here and there. The Bible says that that is dangerous. And, and this is a place that I was headed into a few, a, a few years ago. Because I'd come to a place where I had seen the mighty work of God having taken me through a lot of bad habits in my life and bringing me to the light, bringing me to restoration in these in these areas, but I had began to become very familiar with him in a very wrong way and become very apathetic to the word that I was reading every day, every week, every month, every year. I was becoming very apathetic to it. And what that was doing, it was leading me to a place where I could not repent because my heart was so hardened, so hardened to the point where I cannot physically repent and my spirit cannot come into submission to the spirit of God to accept the gifts that he has given me through forgiveness. And it's, it's, it's very strange because this is, this is what Jesus talks about. He says that, yo, there's this sin. The, the Bible gets into great detail about this. It says, yo, there's this, there's this sin that is unforgivable. There's this thing that you can do that 
you cannot get forgiveness from and it isn't it isn't a sin against god that you do like it isn't an act that you do you know when we when you talk about oh killing like if you kill 50 people then oh you cannot accept repentance and you cannot be forgiven it's not that it's this idea that you have tasted and seen you know in your head in your heart you know the power that forgives you know the person that forgives and you have rejected him so because you have rejected him even though you have seen and you have participated you have been around him and you have witnessed for yourself when you refuse him it is impossible for you to accept forgiveness it is impossible for you to turn away because it takes him to show you the error of your ways that's what's called conviction conviction is not from man you don't convict yourself you don't lead yourself to conviction god leads us to god and if you want to grow if you want to have a hope to grow if i hope that you grow then i must hope that you do not become apathetic to the word i must hope that you do not become familiar to the word i must hope that when you taste and see you will stick in and you will allow god to take root because once he has your heart you are safe you are loved you are protected you are forgiven a lot of privileges of his his own heart for us are made available to us but you must grow in Christ you must grow you must grow and you need to tell yourself this man i i must grow and remember this growth is not by daily tasks or ticking off boxes it is a growth that comes by fixing our eyes on Jesus fixing our eyes on God fixing our eyes on the holy spirit fixing our eyes deep into scripture and what that does is we get challenged every day we get new insight every day we get new understanding we get new wisdom we get new knowledge we get we get new bits every single day and that causes us to be more stuck in and the more we focus on the on on the god who dwells in unapproachable light the less or the dimmer the light of sin is around us and that leads to growth so i hope you grow i hope you grow i hope that you run from apathy you run from this over familiarization with who god is i hope you run like run run from it and how do you run from it again it's not by your own strength it is by going back to the father remember what i said last week as i was finishing he loves you he is for you he has not changed his mind about you but if you do not accept that If you do not allow come to the place where you're in submission to the word it is going to be impossible because you have tasted you have seen and you have walked away that is unforgivable my hope is that you'll grow because you have remained and when you remain you will grow and when you grow we'll see what comes next in the next episode for now i hope that has 
resonated with you. I hope that you've learned something and it is my hope that you will continue to be blessed in it. See you next time. Have a beautiful rest of the day, beginning of the day, wherever you are. Love you all. Goodbye.